podcast one production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Welcome once again to The Health Hacker. I'm very excited to be joined by my good friend, Alex, who's looking very fit and healthy, mate. How did your hacks go from last week? So now I am so excited I get to eat <laughs> pasta and rice. And I'll tell you what I've started doing. It was such a simple one to implement straight away. I went home that night and I made pasta. But not to have for dinner, yep. to have for lunch the next day cold. Yep. And I've noticed I've started doing that. Well done, mate. And I know that you like a bit of chocolate. Did you try the hack of eating with the opposite hand? I did. And I <laughs> I noticed, first of all, that it's not as strong my left hand. And I have to actually, like, chocolate's quite hard. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's actually stuck together. <laughs> it's quite strong. So I'm trying to crack it open with my left hand. But chips were another one. I yeah. noticed that. I actually was eating less chips because I went to the movies yep. and we took, you know, you always smuggle some chips in and, uh, and I was eating Doritos and I just sort of after a while got a bit bored and I was like, I'll put them down. I wanted to start watching the movie because I was concentrating so much with my non-dominant hand that I wasn't concentrating on the film and it actually annoyed me more than yeah. anything. And what about being a weirdo like me and actually having your food train set up, obviously setting up your long plate, eating from left to right? Did I, you start I, doing that? I have suggested square <laughs> plates at home, but for now I do, uh, I do a spin. You know what it actually has done? It's not so much the way I set up my plate. It's the way I, I go shopping now. It's the way I organize my dinner. So when... My partner, Anna, says to me, what do you want for dinner? What should we get when we're on the supermarket? You know, the standard run home from work and you both run in and we grab what we want. I now think, okay, I'll grab something that I can make a salad from at the start to put vinegar on. And then I will think about the piece of protein that I'll have. And then if I can get in a bit of carb, what is it do I want to have as a treat towards the end? So now I'm planning dinner based around the order that I will eat it. Not so much the order I'm eating it coming in after I've cooked the dinner, it's now changed the way I look at actually cooking in advance because if I'm going to have to eat it in that order, I'm going to focus more on those things. So the salad ends up becoming now, ironically, a more prominent part of the meal where it's quite a big salad with a smaller piece of protein and then actually has been quite minimal carb in the end except for the one that I'm making for lunch. Well, it's amazing. You've just touched upon the best diet in the world. It's called the awareness diet. I'd like to put a patent on that. But when Ever you are more aware of what you're putting in your mouth and the speed of which you're putting it and how much you're putting in your mouth, you're aware you're going to be healthier. And that's the key to all diets. All diets work to a point if they're sustainable and practical because you're being aware of what you're eating and you just touched upon it then. You know, you're aware now that you have to eat more vegetables and more salads and you're actually aware that you should be eating certain foods in a certain order to help with digestion and that will help your health and weight loss just naturally. So the hacks themselves actually just make you more aware. And especially the use of vinegar was touched on in episode one when waking up in the morning with water you can also put apple cider vinegar in it and if you haven't heard that jump back to episode one and set up your life with how to wake up the right way but with this part with putting vinegar on your salad that also doubles up on that ingredient because if you already have vinegar in the house you can put it in your water and on your salad and it just starts to remind you on how you can prep your body for every single meal it's like if you were going to work out or go for a run, you would have a stretch beforehand. That's right. And I look at this as stomach stretching. (laughs) It also eliminates a lot of choices that I have to make with dinner or lunch or whatever because I now know structurally, well, this is the way I need to eat. So it actually makes life less confusing. I think sometimes the biggest problem we face in life is 
I've got too many choices, so where do I start? So yeah. you're crippled by choice. This is now, it's easy. If it has these elements in it, then go for it. And then you can go and enjoy it. And that's a great thing about the hacks is that they take away a lot of overanalyzing and overthinking and you then use your willpower up for better choices for things that are more important in your life rather than worrying about what you're putting in your mouth every single second. I think also now this gives me a good reason to touch on another reason why I'm doing this show with you besides the fact that I'm your producer and I just know that you have so many great hacks that I want you to share with people is the fact that I too um, was someone who wasn't always fit and I went through all of this, which is why you've got me in here as like a case study of the things I wish I knew because I blew out to 120 kilos and I'll show you photos uh, one day when I'm ready. (laughs) And then I had to do it the real hard way of just trying out different things and hack with, with no real direction. And it came down for me nutrition was the biggest thing for me and really had to abstain, but it was a very hard slog and I wish I knew this stuff. So moving forward, I'll tell you more about what happened to me when I got really big in later episodes, but these hacks I find really helped me now that I'm down to the mid eighties from 120 kilos to help me realize that I can maintain it without having to be so extreme. And look, life doesn't have to be hard and getting fit and being healthy doesn't have to be hard. You just have to do it the smart way. And that's, that's the key. You know, people who are successful or healthy and happy and, and fit do certain things. And it's about picking the eyes out of what they do. That You know, you get most of your results from a few things in life, largely. We call it the 80-20 rule in economics. So you get 80% of your results from 20% of the inputs. And that's what these hacks are all about. It's showing you the shortcuts, the cheats, the habits and the tricks that successful and healthy people apply every single day. Look, we don't have endless hours to exercise and eat. And that's what I'm here to do is allow you to get fit and healthy in just a couple of minutes a day just with these hacks. So today's episode is the five fastest ways to get fit. I'm excited about today's show because everybody wants to be fit and everyone wants to not have to spend hours in the gym getting fit. You know, when you come home from work, you go past the gym and there's people there running on the treadmill. They look like rats on a, on a wheel, don't Yeah, they look they're like run- they're in another office job, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, they're running up and down on the spot and they're pouring it out. Or, you know, you see people running up and down the pavement or blokes wearing lycra when they shouldn't riding bikes, you know, for hours on end. There's a smarter way to get fit. You know, a lot of people ask, what is fitness? Well, fitness is essentially your body's ability to use oxygen. Uh, The marker that they use is a thing called VO2 max. Now, VO2 max is how much oxygen a person's body can process during an activity. And that's the marker that we use. So the higher your VO2 max, basically the more oxygen your body can take up and utilize to power the muscles. So it really not only determines how fit you are to run around the block, pick up your kids. You know, if you want to run a half marathon, do a tough as mother, whatever. You need to be fit. You want to play sports with your mate on the weekend. But we need to be life fit as well. And, you know, just walking, moving around in general requires oxygen. What do you mean by life fit compared to footy fitness? Look, life fit is just the ability to move around. Anytime we move around, our cells need energy and they get that through oxygen. So the more efficient your body is able to uptake oxygen and use that oxygen, the more functional you are moving around without getting out of breath. Like you see some people run, can't even run for the bus. See yeah, some yeah. guys at work walk up the stairs and they're huffing and puffing. There's a thing called fitness age as well as your real age. So, you oh. know, you have, you know, for example, I'm 42 now. So, but I've got a fitness age that is much lower. It's in its twenties because I'm somebody that actually is fit. So I'm able then to keep up my two-year-old daughter. I'm able to kick the footy around and have fun and not feel exhausted. I'm able to get through a hard day's work and not feel exhausted when I go home because my fitness age is very high. Now, you were though, outside of being a health and fitness economist, uh, this is something that you grew throughout your whole life from leaving school, studying and whatnot, but peppered throughout that was a very big football career. 
if you maintain that because of footy or have you maintained that everyday help and fitness because of the things that you know? Because of the things that I know, largely, fitness comes and goes pretty quick. Your VO2 max can fluctuate quite substantially with your activity. So the exciting thing today is with these hacks is everybody can get fit and they can get fit pretty quickly. They don't need to spend hours in the gym running on a treadmill, pounding the pavement, going for a long bike rides. There's smarter ways to get fit. You can actually get fit in just a couple of minutes a day and I'm going to share that with you now. But fitness is all about application. So if you really want to get fit today, if you start today, you can get fit in a number of weeks. I can promise you now in six weeks time, your fitness can be double of what it is now. Okay. So if people are going to start today, they might be still a bit overweight. Like I'm not exactly shredded. I'm just less heavy than I was. How do you then tackle being overweight, but still trying to get fit? Can you be fit and fat? Well, that's a great question. There, There was a lot of push there for a while academically that you could actually be fit and fat. Now, technically, if you're talking about VO2 max now, it's oxygen your body can use. Well, of course you can be fit and fat. You know, you look at a lot of football players, there's front rowers that, you know, can't see their old fella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's the big <laughs> there's boys. There's plenty of them out there that are big boys. Look at the Olympics with weightlifters, those kind of blokes, they must be fit in well, some Well, they're what capacity. we call anaerobically fit, so that their muscles are very good at, at using and creating power and strength without oxygen. Right. But general cardiovascular fitness, the ability to exercise for prolonged periods of time and use oxygen efficiently to do such, is really fitness that, you know, can be built. It's a skill. And, you know, but you're not going to be what I call life fit because the reality is they've just done a study now and it was presented at the European Congress on obesity and the study involved 3.5 million people. So this was no small study. So this study has got some meat on the bone and they found that people that were fat, even though they were fit as such cardiovascularly fit, had a good VO2 max. They increased their risk of heart disease, stroke and type 2 diabetes by over 49%, these people that were fat. You know, and you look at it even more from a scarier statistics that 96% of these people had an increased risk of heart failure because they were fat. So I would argue emphatically that you can't be fat and fit. So what constitutes technically I'm fat? What do you have to look like to go, okay, now I'm fat? Yep. I think the most important indicator of being fat is your waist measurement. For a long time, people have gone on about BMI, body mass index, and that was obviously a measurement they used with how tall you were by how much you weighed. Um, but it's inaccurate because we now know that it doesn't account for lean body mass, muscle. So there can be, you know, uh, a professional athlete and they would be seen as obese on the BMI index. So the best indication for me about being overweight is measuring your stomach, particularly for guys, because we now know, and we've spoken about it before, that this type of fat is called visceral fat and it's the toxic most poisonous fat that your body stores. Actually, fat on the butt and the hips isn't as bad as fat that's stored around your gut. So for me, it's all about the doses and the type of fat that your body's carrying. So we now know the key to being healthy is not carrying gut fat. So let's get into the hacks. What are they to get fit fast? Well, the best hack that I can give anybody out there is train short and sharp. Now, this has been the biggest misconception around the fitness industry for a long, long time, that you need to spend hours in the gym exercising. That's the only reason gyms you know, exist at the end of the day is because they've fooled everyone into believing that they need to go there and spend hours in the gym. When the reality is, is that, you know, you only need to train the smart way. That's the key, the smart way, not the hard way, the smart way. And if you look back at research, you know, as early as 1996 in the Journal of Medicine and Science, there was a guy that came up with a training system called Tabata training. Now, Tabata training is essentially training as hard as you can for 20 seconds with 10 seconds of rest and doing that for only four minutes. Yep. That's it. Right. So you're doing eight, about reps, these. eight reps of this particular exercise. Now it can be running on the spot. It can be riding a bike as quick as you can. But the key to this is going as hard as you can. Now it's all relative to how, how fit you are and how fast you can move, but it's, it's about moving as fast as you can. So going all out. 
So with just four minutes of this type of exercise, 20 seconds of hard work with 10 seconds of rest, eight times, in six weeks, people increase their fitness by a massive 28%. Yeah, right. So who doesn't have six weeks? Who doesn't have four minutes a day mm-hmm. to just exercise? You know, and it even gets more exciting. One of the world's leading researchers into high-intensity training, Dr. Martin Gambala from McMaster's University, has actually even reduced this more with one of his new research studies that has found just one minute of exercise, 20 seconds as hard as you can, three times, gives you better results than actually exercising for 50 minutes a day, which is mind-blowing. So what are these exercises that they could be running on the spot? Is sprints work? I like Skipping, sprints, sprinting skipping. on the spot. Going back, once again, trampoline. We spoke about in the first episode, NASA. Going as hard as you can on a trampoline. Skipping is such a great thing as well because it's a whole body movement. Anything where you're exerting yourself as fast as you can. A stationary bike, a rowing machine, you know, boxing as hard as you can. But the intent there to go as hard as you can is the key. Why do we get so much benefit from going fast? Well, from a cellular level, we obviously get a lot of benefits because our bodies have to repair and recover after exercise that's high in intensity. And it's the afterburn as well. So, you know, if you go for a long, slow, steady bout of exercise, once you finish, essentially, your body has recovered. But when you really stretch your body with short bursts of exercises, you, your body's going to recover for two to three days afterwards Yeah, because it's having to repair the muscles, it's having to recover. It's really having to bigger build a bigger motor. Like you think about it, you're sucking all this oxygen in because you're going as hard as you can. What's required there is a bigger motor, yeah. more oxygen. You need to use more oxygen so the body adapts. Are you doing this every day? Look, I like to do it every second day. Because I think you need your body to you recover, You need your body right? to recover, and that's a hack we'll talk about later. But, you know, your body doesn't know the difference between a Zumba class and running on the spot. It's just stress. At the end of the day, exercise is just a form of stress. Mm-hmm. And the more stress you apply to it, the stronger the body becomes because it has to deal with that stress. You know, your muscles, when you go to the gym, go, hang on, this guy's just hurt me. My poor old pecs are going, hang on, they're screaming. Yep. You know, this guy just made me bench press all this weight. You know what? I'm going to have to get stronger so the next time I don't hurt. So the key is, is to train short and fast. Remember, you don't need to go for long, slow, arduous, you know, jogging or bike riding. Oh, yes, I recommend you to move as much as you can. We've spoken about that before. Going for long, slow walks is great. Because you think about our, our ancestors, Dave the Caveman, as I like to call him, would always gather for long periods of time, go for long walks, slow. But it wasn't stressful on the body. We've now found that, as you know, if you exercise between 78% of your maximal VO2 max for prolonged periods of time, this is actually bad for your body. It's stressful. Mm. Your body releases more hormones that make you hungrier. So therefore, you overcompensate after you do this type of exercise. You end up eating more food than what you burned off by the exercise. How many people do you see in the gym go and run on the treadmill for half half an hour? burn a couple of hundred calories and they smash down a couple of Gatorades, it's got more calories in it yeah. than what they just ran off. Yeah, right. So, you know, your body produces cortisol from prolonged periods of exercise as well, which actually tears down muscle and makes you fat as well. So it's about finding the right dose of exercise. And we now know that the key is short, sharp bursts of exercise. As little as one minute, a couple of times a week will be enough to increase your fitness by a huge amount. And what's the maximum I can go to as I get fitter? Should I go to up to 20 minutes or is it just five minutes, 10 minutes? What's going on? The great thing about high-intensity exercise is because you're trying to go as fast as you can, you don't need a lot of it because your body can't adapt. It can't, you know, really cope with you going any faster. So it's always striving to get faster. So the intensity is actually the key, not the volume. Uh, yeah. So this is the key. It's all about intensity. So you don't need to go and do 20 minutes of high-intensity exercise to get the benefit. You just need to give it everything you've got. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Okay, now hack number two, get high. We're actually talking about training at altitude. Now, you may have heard about athletes training at high altitude before. Yeah. 
Um, you know, there was an Olympic Games, obviously held at high altitude, and world records were broken left, right, and center. You know, you hear about sporting teams having to travel, you know, to different continents, and they're playing at high altitude, and you see them just bonk. You know, when you go see teams playing South Africa, all of a sudden the ball's going 10 meters higher in the air because yeah. at high altitude. Yeah. So, you know, obviously high altitude has a number of effects, but one of the key effects of high altitude is it increases our body's efficiency at using oxygen. As there's less oxygen at a higher altitude, so yes. your body's forced to become more efficient at using oxygen. So therefore, all of a sudden, our bodies become more of an oxygen-efficient machine. So you can actually not have to go to Mexico to train. You can actually find our altitude training rooms. And as a rugby league player, you know, we used to actually use these high-altitude rooms to train and to get fitter in a shorter period of time. So we'd actually combine the high-intensity training, which I used to do, you know. After I did my ACL back in 2003, I couldn't run for long distances, so my knee kept blowing up after training. It would become sore, and I wasn't able to do as much volume. So that's how I hacked into a lot of these you know, high-intensity training methods. You know, a lot of my training mates were spending two hours on the football field having to do physical exercise, aerobic training, running long laps, mindless stuff on the bike. Whereas I got on this high-intensity stuff, and I would literally do 12 sprints. Mm. And then when we'd get measured, our VO2 maxes and our fitness levels, I was one of the fittest guys in the team. Yeah, right. And yet I was only exercising for minutes, not hours like some of these guys. So these hacks I've applied myself. Mm -hmm. And one such hack that I've applied myself is the high-altitude rooms. Now, they're, they're, they're achievable and they're accessible to a lot of people. They're not expensive. And, you know, you'll see amazing results. Yeah, at the end of the day, training at high altitude not just makes you more efficient at using the oxygen you got, but it increases a hormone called EPA. And what this hormone actually does is it increases the amount of red blood cells that your body has inside it. So this is the key to being fit as well. Because red, red blood cells, cells carry oxygen. Carry oxygen. There yeah. you go. So the more red blood cells you have, the fitter you're going to be because yeah. your body's able to carry more oxygen to the muscles. Um, the other thing about training at high altitude too is it, it, it also increases our, our blood vessel width and increases the amount of blood vessels that you have to actually transport the oxygen. And it also acts as a buffering agent as well in your body. So all of a sudden, you know, when you run really fast for, you know, more than 15 seconds, you start to get what we call lactic acid. Yeah. So that burning sensation in your muscles. So what happens is when you've got more oxygen and more ability to use that oxygen, it buffers the amount of lactic acid your muscles produce. Because I've noticed if I haven't trained for a while and the type of training I do is sprints and high intensity, I am so sore to the point the next two days, I actually don't feel very well. I can feel it in my body. Everything aches and I feel a bit sick and a bit spacey. Yeah. But once my fitness gets better, I have less and less of that reactive lactic acid in my body after having a hard workout. And that's the stress. Once again, your body's adapting to the stress. As you get used to it, your body's going to adapt to the stress. A lot of athletes used to use bicarb soda to stop lactic acid production. Ah, oh, because you know what I've also heard you can do is in the morning with your water and your apple cider vinegar is to also throw bicarb soda in with that as well. Well, be careful because one of my mates, uh, I'll never forget it, he actually loaded up on the bicarb. So like most athletes, thinking more is better. So he ripped it in with a couple of tablespoons. And within about five minutes, we could hear this awful noise. And we looked around, it was his guts just churning. And all of a sudden, he ran to the toilet and there was this huge explosion. And I'll tell you what, he cleaned out the dressing room before you knew it. So, mate, if you are going to use bicarb soda, be very careful. It's all dose-related. So if you do use it, though, you put a small <laughs> teaspoon in... With your apple cider vinegar? Yep, yep. Don't eat it straight, obviously. Don't eat too much of it. <laughs> yeah. So what are the benefits of it, though? Well, it just cleans you out. You know, that's one benefit. But the other benefit so is it's heard. a buffering <laughs> agent. So, you know, once again, it stops your body from producing the lactic waste. So it allows your body to actually tolerate lactic acid more effectively. So we now know that, you know, when you're working as hard as you can, that lactic burn that comes on after about 15 seconds that burn stops you from pushing your body. You know, it hurts. So the muscles just clog up. So what these buffering agents do is they stop your body from burning as much and the muscles hurting. 
Now, you may have seen, you know, these athletes wearing these masks. Yeah. A lot of UFC fighters use them as well. Um, they're breathing devices as well. I used to have what we call a breathe easy, which was a device that you would actually put on and, you know, breathe into it as hard as you could. Mm. Do you remember the old nostril things that people used to use? Remember yeah. the old open breathe their nose easy, up. open yeah. their noses up so they could take more oxygen in? And a lot of, you know, professional cyclists and athletes from other sports have actually had operations on their nose to actually increase the, the the ability to take in oxygen through their nose. Yeah, wow. So, you know, do these Breathe Easy devices work? Well, you know, there's a lot of studies that show that, you know, they do actually increase um, the efficiency of your body to use oxygen. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a hack inside itself too. It's just the way that you breathe when you are exercising because a lot of people actually breathe the wrong way. You know, a lot of people actually breathe through their mouth when they're mm. exercising. Now, that's the worst thing that you can actually do. You actually want to breathe through your nose and use your diaphragm, which is the lower part of, you know, your stomach down below your belly button. That's where you want to breathe from. So the more that you can actually breathe efficiently while you're exercising, the more efficiently that your body's going to be able to use the oxygen. So that's a hack inside itself. These masks you can pick up from the sports stores. You can pick them up from somewhere like a Rebel. They're quite cheap, you know, but you can also do other exercises like yoga and meditation, which actually help you learn how to breathe properly, which is what these masks essentially do. They're trying to strengthen your breathing muscles. That's all they're really there to do. You think about, you know, your lungs like a muscle, you know, doing a bicep curl, for your lungs. So these breathing devices essentially are just like, you know, a dumbbell for your lungs. Hack number three, mate, I want you to beat it. Not like Michael Jackson, I want you to actually eat your beetroot. Now, a lot of people, when they think about nutrition, when it comes to getting fit, always think about carbohydrates, carbo-loading, eating their passes, their breads, their rices before they go for a big run, play a big game of football. But actually eating beetroot has been shown to increase your fitness by up to 16%. You'll probably wonder how it does that. Well, it simply does it through nitrates. Beetroots contain nitrates. What nitrates do is they help your body produce nitric oxide. Now, what nitric oxide does is it helps the blood vessels to relax. So this allows more oxygen to get to the working muscles. So once again, it's like being a car motor. You know, you've got to make sure that you've got fuel efficiency for the motor. And that's what, you know, nitric oxide does. It allows the oxygen to get to the working muscles. So therefore you can run longer and harder without running out of breath. What's the best way to eat beetroot for me to get the most benefits out of it? Well, I found you only need a cup of beetroot juice. Now, you don't want to use canned um, beetroot. For whatever reason, it seems to lose the ability to have as great an effect on your fitness levels. So if you can actually get a real beetroot and throw it in the blender and blend it up, a cup of beetroot juice has been found to be enough to actually give you that sports performance and fitness benefit. So, but don't use a juicer, use a blender, right? Throw it in a blender, yeah. yeah. You know, you really want to try and, you know, keep as much of the fiber in there as well so you don't get that huge spike of sugar and then the big crash. But uh, one cup, 30 minutes before you go and exercise, you'll see a huge benefit to how long you can go when you're exercising. So it's important to have it with water as well. You can even hit it with a bit of coffee as well because we now know that obviously having caffeine before you work out will increase your ability to go longer and harder. Now, if you're not into beetroot, don't stress. There's other foods that are high in nitrates as well. Spinach, um, lettuce, believe it or not, you know, the old iceberg lettuce is quite high. Once again, you're going to have to eat a bloody lot of lettuce. You'll be, you know, you'll be eating a few salad bars to get through, you know, the, the required amount that you need. And celery is another one. So, you know, if you don't like the taste of beetroot, why not throw in some spinach, throw in some celery, throw in some lettuce and make up a bit of a concoction that way. And I'll tell you what, your muscles are going to be a lot more effective at being fit. So we've juiced it. What's next? Mate, pump it up. That's right. I want you to get the headphones on. Like I used to like to do, get the Walkman. I know they're outdated, the Walkman, but uh, you can't be an old Walkman, uh, you know, when you're exercising. 
Um, the iPhone, mate, it's a very, very good gadget. You know, it pumps out the tunes. And we now know that listening to the right type of music can increase endurance by 15%. That's right. Your fitness levels can improve by 15% simply from the tunes that you're listening to. And not only does it increase your endurance, but it also increases the amount of exercise you can do because it reduces exercise exertion levels by up to 12%. So how hard does exercise feel when you're doing it? Which makes sense. We now know that music makes us feel good Mm -hmm. and it makes exercise seem easier. So we go harder for longer. So what music am I listening to then? Well, this is quite interesting. One of the greatest athletes in the history of the world, Gabriel Selassie, who was the middle distance champion, he actually listened to Scatman, the track, before he broke the world 10,000 meter record. How cool is that? Yeah. So he was pumping out Scatman as he broke the world record. And in actual fact, you know, Gabriel Slash is not the only athlete that's been utilizing, you know, the, the performance enhancing effects of music, you know. So, you know, the, the music's very important though. You know, you don't want to be listening to Bob Marley because you're going to fall asleep. So, you know, you've got to pick the right type of music. So they, they find music that goes to the beat of what you're trying to do. So ex- exercise has to be matched with the right type of music. So the best music that scientists have actually found um, is stuff like Queen, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Madonna, believe it or not. And the beat subconsciously forces your body to keep pace. So it's about the intensity of the music as well. So you can have fun, make sure you're pumping up the stereo and you're just going short and sharp. And I'll tell you what, you're going to be fit in no time. All right, so the final hack of getting fit. Tell me, mate. Mate, my final hack to getting fit today is chill it. That's right, I want you to chill out. You know, the important thing about uh, exercise is that it's a stress on your body as we touched upon and your body's ability to adapt to that stress to become stronger and faster and fitter all comes with recovery. Now, recovery is the key to getting fitter. You're going to do something cold again, aren't you? But there's going to be a great benefit, so I'm going <laughs> to have to put up with it. Well, mate, there's so many benefits to cold and heat as well. You know, the extreme temperatures, once again, is all about stress, our body's ability to adapt to stress. Now, you would have seen a lot of Hollywood stars, Tony Robbins, basketballers, footballers these days, NRL players left, right and center, walking into these little boxy rooms with this little box that freezes them in an instant, has a number of health benefits. But we now know that it actually increases endurance. And athletes for a number of years before they had these machines would actually cover themselves in ice, particularly when they were were running or performing in high heat environments. Because what that does is it actually chills the muscle and allows the core body temperature not to rise as much, which de-stresses the body. So the body's more efficient then and able to go longer and harder. So they're doing this before or after they exercise or just any general time? They're doing it both. And this is the interesting thing. Like It sounds counterintuitive to a sense that you're told to warm up. Hmm. So all of a sudden you're warming the muscles up, but they've actually done studies where athletes have actually gone and immersed themselves in cold water or done the cryotherapy and their performance and endurance has improved. And that's obviously, you know, something that's really been against, you know, modern literature about what it takes to get fit. But obviously the importance of cold after you exercise, it can't be overstated enough. It's very important. We now know that cold actually stops inflammation, helps you recover quicker. And the key to exercising and getting fitter, as we all know, it's about the frequency of the dose of exercise. So the more exercise that you can do in a shorter period of time, the stronger and the fitter you become. So this is where recovery is really important. So how do we hack into that without walking into a giant fridge? Don't joke. My mate used to love to go to the bottle shop and just walk into the big eskies and sit there for a little while. And he'd say to his missus, he was doing his recovery training while he got his case. (laughs) But on a serious note, one way that you can do this on a minimal budget is just by jumping into the ocean in winter. Mm. You know, you look at the AFL players, you know, you see them wading up to their waist um, in the cold water. You see NRL players walking through the pool as well. This has another benefit as well. Adds a vasodilation effect to the muscles as well. Forces the muscles to pump 
And when your muscles are forced to pump, they're going to get rid of a lot of the waste products from the exercise. So moving in water actually has that benefit as well, not just the cold, but forcing the muscles to pump out all the waste. So would you jump in the water after you've had a heavy workout or before or it doesn't matter? Yeah, as recovery, you know, I would definitely jump in. There's even these things now that you can, you know, go and buy quite uh, cheaply now. They're actually things that you put your legs in and they pump up and down and they promote cold water um, throughout the device. It's like putting on a glove and they blow up and blow down blow up and go down. And they're essentially, once again, trying to promote the the blood flow, the vasodilation, as well as the cold therapy. But there's plenty of ways. Grab some ice packs, you know, after you've worked out, go grab an ice pack and put it on the muscle and that will help you recover as well. And if water's nowhere near you, living regionally or in the bush, ice packs are fine, yeah, ice, ice baths, baths are, are fine, fine, cold shower as cold, well. Yeah. Or if you're struggling, you know, the next day after you are sore from a, from a workout to recover, just go for a walk. Remember, movement creates recovery. That's the key. If you want to train more effectively, you need to have your muscles recover. The quicker you can recover, the more effectively you're going to be able to perform. At the end of the day, you know, steroids were around for one thing. Yes, they made athletes bigger and stronger, but why did they make athletes bigger and stronger? Because they could train more frequently. They're able to recover. Their bodies are able to use protein more effectively. So their bodies are able to get what they require to recover from the exercise. Because, you know, it's all about how much exercise you can do in a short period of time. That's why recovery is so important. Well, Adam, another five hacks, another episode done. Thank you very much again. I always learn something new that I never thought possible. Thank you. It's always fun and I can't wait to present five more hacks next week. Head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app to get in touch with the show and to hear all of the episodes of The Health Hacker. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Nick Slater. Executive producer is Jamie Schoen. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.